Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm with my partner, Ellie, today. Uh, our special guest, John Tielborg, is here. He used to be the VP of Fitz and Floyd and is currently a realtor. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Glad to help out. Um, so just to start off, can you kind of tell us what made you want to get into the sales business? After college, which was a frightening time graduating and looking for what your career might be, um, I lived in Denver, Colorado. My plan was interviewing with telecom companies. That was a hot category at that point. Um, through a friend, I learned of a company called Mikasa that was interviewing out of um, New Jersey. And anyway, went through the interview process, was hired and moved to Atlanta and did not end up staying in Denver like my original plan. So that was a risk that I took and it turned out to be a good start to my career. So how did you end up becoming the vice president of sales with that company? Well, I started off when Mikasa hired me in Atlanta um, as an assistant salesperson and worked my way um, to salesperson, was then promoted to Minneapolis to be a regional manager, covered seven states and um, over 300 different accounts within those seven states. Dayton Hudson Marshall Field was the biggest account at that point. It was my prime concern. Um, I also opened a showroom to handle the other several hundred independent accounts in those seven states. So that was kind of my start. And from there, um, continued on and um, did well at Mikasa, was well-respected, became district manager. And after um, probably several, I don't know, eight to 10 years, I uh, was interviewed and moved to a vice president position. Um, so once you got to this position at Fitz and Floyd, uh, what were some of your responsibilities there? Um, responsibilities were um, very broad, uh, projecting merchandise and controlling uh, the division was a multi-million dollar budget. And that became the prime concern of protecting the company and investing that money wisely into products. And one of the ways we did that I would work with each major retailer and design a program with Macy's, for example. They may purchase 60 different SKUs and buy, for example, 50,000 units of each SKU. I need to roll all those items up for each of dozens of accounts in the country and go to my um, CFO with a budget and a proposal on how many millions of dollars to buy to get us through that annual year of sales and make my sales goals. So that was primary. Um, working with the salespeople that were um, working with me was part of my responsibility. And then controlling marketing and advertising budget. Um, I had an advertising budget of 10% of sales, which was quite a large number. And it was my responsibility to spend those dollars effectively. So that was fun, but also a big responsibility. And, and then working with the design team to help do product. Uh, we did a lot of product training, um, both online, digital, in-person training seminars. So a, a fun but wide variety of responsibilities. Thank you for giving us a little bit of background on uh, how you got to those, the, this position. Um, so now we're going to talk a little bit about 
um, the target market. So what products do you specifically sell with Fitz and Floyd? Well, as part of the Fitz and Floyd company, my responsibility um, was the Ralph Lauren brand. We were licensed and, and worked along with Ralph Lauren to create um, products to sell under their brand name. So I was kind of a liaison between our design department, um, the Ralph Lauren design department and the Ralph Lauren marketing department in deciding again who our customer was. And Ralph Lauren did have pretty extensive marketing research to help us, but we then needed to convert um, the strengths of what Fitz and Floyd could produce um, with our factories around the world. And we did have factories in Italy, China, Spain, that all specialized in certain products. So for example, if we're working with Ralph Lauren, we're making stainless steel ice buckets and bar trays, for example, um, that would be specialized by one of our factories in China. So we would do all the research. Our design team would pull together and present items. Ralph Lauren would approve it. And then we would go to Jen. And then as VP of sales, it was my responsibility to go out and sell those products to every account in US and Canada. Um, do you guys usually sell the same kind of products each year? Do you? continuously mix up product lines? It was continuously a mix. I would say about 60% of the line would at least repeat for a year or two. And then we're constantly trying to find that other 30% through new products. And that is far more difficult than anyone um, analyzes finding successful products that can turn millions of dollars of sales just does not happen every season. So there are many seasons we would in, introduce products and two thirds of them would fail. And then you go back to the drawing board, you question the design team and the design team questions the sales team. And it's, um, it was an exciting and fun game, but working along with the products and, and along with the, Fitz and Floyd design team and the Ralph Lauren design team was very interesting and very challenging. Um, so in figuring out what products to sell with your design team, uh, what was your target market and how did you determine what it would be? And Ralph Lauren did give us some um, market analysis and some research and they were also um, pretty direct on we had a three to five year plan. We had a one to two year plan. And those were pretty concise marketing plans of the, the direction that they wanted us to proceed. So we could certainly challenge and, and tell them they may be going a, not the direction we see as the most profitable or the most smart direction. And that was just part of, of the process. But um, the target market and, and marketing was multifaceted through digital, through a um, little bit of television, mostly print, and the major retailers, uh, Macy's, Abelka, Dillard's, all have their major catalogs that they still launch. And we were um, pretty instrumental in buying full page, even double full pages to have a spread and really make an emotional um, translation of entertaining with Ralph Lauren products and um, 
how fun that could be and just an entertaining concept to the customer that would make them want to be a small part of Ralph Lauren and enjoy the Ralph Lauren feeling of the brand that they're trying to create. Uh, after kind of deciding who your target market was and determining that, uh, what was like your typical person that you would sell to? Or did you sell more to big companies that were looking for things like in retail stores or did you sell mostly to or straight to consumer? Um, this was very broad. Um, Ralph Lauren would define their target market and they had several. We weren't just locked into one customer base. We would design products for that 25 to 40 fun up and coming young career um, couple. We also would design products for that 45 and over um, more affluent type customer that wanted to entertain with some pizzazz and did not mind spending $200 on a stainless steel ice bucket. So it was multifaceted. The, the other part of that was the account base that we had. We would design some very premier products to be featured in Neiman Marcus and some of the upper end accounts. We would design more moderate sale products, maybe 50 to $150 range in crystal and stainless steel and wood and metals that was aimed at being marketed in Macy's and Belks and Dillard's. We would design products for a Costco that would not carry 60 or 70 products on their floor. They would want the top three products, but they could buy several hundred thousand units of each of those products. So it was really varied and it was really specialized to each account. So again, that was part of my marketing base was to sit down with those accounts, have that relationship where we could figure out what they wanted to buy and what they could retail in the most effective way, and then try to make that and convert that into sales. Okay, thank you. Um, so next we want to talk a little bit about the marketing strategy and uh, the consumer behavior side. Um, so how did you market those products? I know you said a lot about a little bit about um, how it was mostly through catalogs and prints. Is that the most successful way of going about it? Um, yes. Uh, print catalogs in that industry at that time, that was several years ago, that was probably the most um, effective for the brick and mortar stores. The door really opened though for the online business, the dot-coms, um, Macy's.com, even EvenMarcus.com, Costco Online, all of those could hit a, a much larger market and people that would buy um, all over the country for multiple reasons. And they were buying fashion product, they were buying um, home products of all different kinds. So I would say two prong, one, the online customer was growing 25, 30% every year for eight years in a row. That business was exploding and the brick and mortar business was holding its own. And then as we've seen today, starting to fall off just from the troubles of the typical brick and mortar retailer. Um, okay. Also emails to customers, 
email blasts, uh, direct mail postcards, a lot of those kind of things did fit into some of the target marketing. Um, I know a lot of sales jobs and stuff or jobs like these travel a lot, and I know you have traveled a lot for this job. Um, on these kind of trips, where did you kind of go and what did you do that helped sell these products? Well, the, the purpose of my trip was a sales call. So, for example, I would um, fly probably at least once a month to New York, work with Macy's, Bloomingdale's. Uh, there were a handful of accounts there. And prior to making the trip, we would teleconference, email, put together marketing plans, again, with me working with the Ralph Lauren team and me working with our design team our budgeting team, our product development teams. And I would go to that Macy's appointment with a PowerPoint, a marketing plan, a budget, and dollars that I expected them to give me for the year as a starting point and um, propose the products. We had a New York showroom where we had probably 800 to 1,000 SKUs on display. So I would invite the retailers there and we would conduct style outs and and really fine-tune what their assortment is and set it up right there in the showroom and then from that we would then design the sales and marketing the advertising um, how much the purchase would roll up to and what the turnover would be all the kind of things you guys are probably studying and it would not happen in one meeting we'd probably have five or six meetings at the start of each year just to determine um, the budget, the assortment. Then after that was done, then we started working on the marketing and the advertising and how and what you would do to get the customer excited enough to buy those products. So in taking these trips, was it more beneficial to do like the face-to-face -face interactions as opposed to something um, online? Uh, we found that it was in... I can say for a fact, part of the power of the Ralph Lauren brand, especially um, the major accounts. Again, when we worked with a Belk in Charlotte or Macy's in New York, I would invite our senior designer, um, a couple of the Ralph Lauren team, myself, a couple of our salespeople. So we would go in as a powerful group that had the ability and our design team, I should mention too, have the ability to create things. So if we were brainstorming with Macy's and they said, um, we would love to see this type of product with these type of features on it, uh, we could say we can do that and we could pull it together in two to three months and have it to market in six months. And there were very few companies that could move that quickly and have the capacity to do those kind of things. And to then put the Ralph Lauren brand on something that Macy's created and call it exclusive at Macy's, um, those kind of things were quite powerful. And we did um, several holiday and just different um, specialized products for, again, the Neiman Marcus, the Costco's, Macy's, uh, just about any account that had the ability to do, to do large scale orders with us. And a lot of the factories that we worked with, uh, you don't order a couple hundred pieces for a test. You order 50,000 units or 100,000 units. 
and the factories like to make big, large runs, and that's how they could control and be profitable themselves. So there was a lot of risk involved, and there was a lot of trust in building a relationship that we trusted the retailer to give us information that would work. And they trusted us once they gave us orders that we would perform and deliver on time. And once you've got that relationship going, then that was really one of the main reasons that we were successful year after year over the time. Okay. And then how did you get the attention of your consumers um, by differentiating your company from um, products of other companies? Uh, partially through the brand. Um, again, Ralph Lauren was a powerful brand. Uh, we, in print advertising, tried to use the same lighting, the same format, and try to capture some of the emotional feeling of the customer with entertaining. And we would show um, dinner parties with people holding Ralph Lauren champagne glasses and serving on Ralph Lauren bar trays with ice buckets and drinkware, um, those kind of things. And also family gatherings, showing at a holiday party with all the traditional Ralph Lauren tartan plaid items and decorations. And of course, we would have Ralph Lauren table linens and associated goods all as props and backgrounds. So you could really tell a story and a statement and kind of pull the customer in that way to enjoy the Ralph Lauren lifestyle. Um, so we've talked about customer acquisition and stuff like that uh, recently in class. How do you guys attract new customers every day while trying to keep uh, your loyal customers happy and keep them uh, coming back to your product while getting these new consumers on your minds as well? And that is a difficult task. Um, I mentioned about 60% of the line would remain the same. That became, our partners really became the online, the dot-coms that would support um, broad product lines. And for example, Macy's brick and mortar might carry 60 items was their assortment. Fitz, and Fitz and Floyd and the Ralph Lauren brand, we may have had 500 items in our assortment so the 60 that were supported in Macy's stores, we would go to Macy's.com and ask them to set up and carry and show all of our product lines. So they could have several hundred units and items on line that could be sold. And that's why their business kept skyrocketing every season. They, their assortment was four to five times larger than the brick and mortar store. And it just catered to more customers. It was a broader assortment and they could offer more online promotions and percentages off and buy one, get one free and just kinds of things that was difficult for the brick and mortar stores to execute. Um, with those bigger uh, um, product lines, uh, were there times where a product failed or a form of marketing didn't work? Like in those bigger stores like Macy's? Uh, many times, yes. And that was a challenge of the job. And that was of trying to find out what the consumers are looking for is a moving target. And we would often work for six months 
creating and bringing product to market thinking that we had a new winner and it would fail miserably. So yes, you can't be afraid to try that. You can't be afraid to fail. And we would need to admit that we failed and we wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars of design team and our company's money, but we needed to move on and go find the next thing that could work. So it was a blessing having the 60% of the line that was the workhorse. And then with that other 40%, you try to find the next winners that are going to be the next workhorse. And then part of the line, maybe 10, 15% was just high fashion. We knew it would never be um, profitable in a large way, but it set the tone for the brand. It was fun, it was crazy. And it's something that a customer would get the wow factor and get some excitement and get some emotion that way. Um, many companies out there use celebrities from athletic wear to dress clothes, uh, food, stuff like that. Are there any big name people that you kind of worked with, with this company and how they kind of affect your product being sold? The focus was really on the Ralph Lauren brands. And they, of course, had Ralph Lauren, who was a celebrity in himself. But most of the, the advertising, the efforts were really put into building the brand and showing and really romancing the brand. And then from that, um, we tried to use the product to romance the brand. And then the product became the star and hopefully what the customer wanted to purchase and have that part of Ralph Lauren in their home. Uh, were there any specific people that you worked with, like big name stars that you kind of used to put the face on the brand? Um, we did work with some chefs. Uh, Tyler Florence was a chef that worked with our brand for a while, but not specific star type people. Again, Ralph Lauren was really in tune with promoting their own brand at the expense of specific celebrities. Okay, so transitioning into um, the realty job that you had, um, uh, how did you um, switch over to real estate? Well, there were a lot of similarities and I mentioned building relationships and, and working with customers and I was fairly successful at learning how to close the deal and um, reading the customers, satisfying them, giving them good service and building that relationship. So many of those things carried over immediately in the real estate. And I had already enjoyed real estate. I started purchasing um, my first property while I was in college. So I had a background, I kind of understood it and was comfortable with real and I was very comfortable with the sales and working with people from all over the country and just felt like it would be a natural progression. Um, so in this realty position, what are kind of some similarities and differences between selling products for Ralph Lauren or Fitz and Floyd as a company versus working as a realtor selling an experience of moving into your first house or buying multiple properties for other people? Well, the first thing, both are emotional. Um, as VP of sales, again, 
more than the product was the relationship that we built with our retailers. And they enjoyed working with us. We gave them outstanding service was one of our focuses. And they, we gained their trust by doing that season after season after season. So once you have the trust and they trusted us and we trusted them, uh, that was, that got us through so many problems and bad seasons. And we just touched on when we launch a big program of new products and it fails miserably. Uh, you need a good partner to get rid of several hundred thousand dollars worth of merchandise and push it through their store system, um, markdowns, um, all of the things that are involved in all of that and to move on. So I would say the customer relationship is probably the most important thing. And that kind of translated into real estate where the fun now is helping a couple or a family find their next home and they are so excited and ho so happy to actually find a place to live and their dream home and all of those kind of things that get emotional and that really makes me feel good so that is that's why i want to do that part of it and then on the other side too um for our my own family we've been able to purchase investment homes and have rental properties and it's allowed us to really be self-sufficient and we now have the cash flow and enough investments that um, it is uh, just a pleasure to be able to self-sustain ourselves uh, through the investments that we made. Um, one follow-up question on the previous question we asked. Uh, for transferring into the real estate business, did you kind of do this throughout your entire life or did you end up retiring and think what's next and real estate sparked your mind? I've known for many years that real estate would be my, my next um, project. Uh, again, I purchased property in college and then went on to buy and sell other homes as investments and um, places when I moved to Atlanta, when I moved to Minneapolis, I bought and sold different places and kept the townhouse and turned it into a rental property, just things like that that were real estate related. And I didn't have a real estate license, but I was kind of doing my own thing as a hobby. So I always knew that once I retired from my sales positions, whenever that would be, that I would want to start doing real estate transactions. So do you think um, having the sales background and then also having done uh, some real estate just as a hobby um, that it has influenced how you market yourself personally to get people to um, work with you and trust you as a realtor? Absolutely. Um, one of the most important things, and I'll mention it again, was the trust in the relationships that we generated with our retailers and knowing that we were there when they were in trouble and we knew that they would help us out if we needed them as retailers too. So yes, that relationship was very important. And that's the same thing that I'm finding in real estate now. This is only my second year, but I knew it would be this way, but um, gaining the trust of that client that they will trust you to find them the home that they're looking for 
and negotiate the best deal and do it in a timely manner that fits their schedule. And some people have crazy schedules and all kinds of odd demands. So yes, problem, and so problem solving is a big part of my job that carried over from sales and forming that customer relationship and customer trust. Uh, just to wrap it up here, um, go looking back at both your jobs with Fitz and Floyd and becoming a realtor, uh, what is your favorite part about each of these jobs or what did you enjoy the most? Uh, in sales, it was multifaceted. I love putting together the big deal and getting that multi-million dollar order. And I would actually work on some of these programs with, with again, a Macy's or a major account maybe six to seven, eight months, you would work on a program and sometimes it would fall apart, which would be devastating, but sometimes you pull it off and that was very rewarding. So I'd say the big sale was exciting, just working with the customers and having that trust and friends. And I would have buyers actually call me, buyer called me from Dallas and said, my husband's moving to New York. And do you know any places can you help me find a job in New York in a retailer? And I immediately knew five or six people to call and I found her a job before she even moved from Dallas. So things like that are just people related. It wasn't a business, it didn't get me a sale, but I was able to help someone out that was a good customer and turned out to be a good friend. So things like that were rewarding. And I'm finding the same thing in real estate when you really work with a family or a couple and help them find their dream home. Uh, they remember that and they tell their friends and the next time, whether it's two years or 10 years, um, the next time they need to move, they remember and they will call you because they recall that service. It must be nice to create kind of a, a really big and positive network. Um, I'm sure you've put many hours into uh, um, those projects that take months to put together. Um, what piece of advice would you have for um, us, sort of our generation, to help us push ourselves in our career? I would say in a few words, extracurricular activities and always keep learning. Um, the, the typical school day might be from eight to three or whatever. And that's for a lot of people, that's when something else should really start. And I've always enjoyed sports and coaching sports and having our family in sports, but that was just a method. I like the team effort and the ups and the downs. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in a business club or if you're in the chess club on the dance team. Uh, something that builds character and something that keeps you active and something that again adds value to you as a person in your life and especially to that um, business person that may be interviewing with you as you guys get ready to graduate and move into your own careers. Um, uh, just a quick story I was interviewing someone. Um, from Penn State in our New York showroom a couple of years ago, promising person. And the next interview was from a small college up the Hudson River. Um, don't recall the name even, 
but the young man was uh, pretty impressive. And he also, he listed his GPA on his resume, which you don't really need to. So I asked him at the end if he had any questions and he said he would like to comment on his GPA. And I said, of course. And he said he felt that he could do much better and wanted us to know that. Um, he then said that his mother was special needs and needed help. And he was on the school band and played several instruments in the band and the theater heard that and recruited him to actually play in the music pit for theater. So he had so much going on that he said he, he was working as hard as he could on his grades, but he had so many other things going on that that was his life. And that was really impressive that he would share himself and that he had so many things um, going on in his life. And that's kind of what the business world is about. You're not done when you finish at eight to four. And I, in my life, I traveled whenever I was needed. I was on the phone with my president at 10 o'clock at night when there were troubles. So all of those things, I think, just build character and really add to um, a full business life and a full life of um, just being uh, rewarded as you guys work your way through. Awesome. That's great advice. Uh, I'm sure that I will kind of try and implement that into my life. And I'm sure Ellie will too. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day and just meeting with us to share your stories and kind of uh, what you or what your ideas to help us do better in our careers. Oh, thank you, and good luck to everyone. Thank you.